folks, this is Abel James, and thanks so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show, where we talk about real food and real results. Today's very special guest is Mr. Lewis Howes, and you may know him from the School of Greatness podcast, one of the top podcasts in the business lifestyle world. Uh, and it, it's a really fun show. We actually had a lot of listener requests to get Lewis on the show. He's a pro athlete, uh, an aspiring Olympian, and also has a lot to teach about the connection between building a lot of success in health and fitness and sports and then applying that to the business world and life in general, really building the life of your dreams around a passion. That's what this show is all about. So really excited to have Lewis on. It's a great show. Stay tuned for that. In the meantime, if you haven't already, uh, please head on over to fatburningman.com and enter your best email, and I'll be sending a bunch of really cool exclusive goodies. Uh, Holiday recipes are coming up. We have a few very special announcements and giveaways just for people who are on the list uh, at fatburningman.com. And when you sign up, I I send you a few free eBooks and downloads as well. Best way to do that if you haven't already signed up is go to fatburningman.com dot com and put your best email in the opt-in box and uh, and then you're all ready to go all right so onto the show with lewis we talk about how lewis lost 28 pounds in 28 days how to recover from a career-ending injury why a thriving body is essential to a successful life and what kicking butt in sports has to do with building a business all right let's go hang out with lewis Folks, this is going to be a really fun show. We're here with Lewis Howes, and he's a lifestyle entrepreneur, former world record holder, and two-sport professional athlete. He's also the voice behind the hugely popular School of Greatness podcast, and I hear he's quite the salsa dancer. Is that true? Mm, love salsa more than anything, man. <laughs> and you have a killer podcast voice. I, I was just <laughs> telling it. Lewis, I love having podcasters on the show because it's so easy, and I, you guys can't see this if you're on audio only, obviously, but he has one sick setup over there. That's not bad. You know, I learned from Pat Flynn. I don't know if you've had him on the show, but I was just like, Pat, tell me what to do. You know, tell me the setup. And I was just like, I'll buy whatever you got because you sound great. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Pat knows what's up. But you got the voice yeah. to match, too. Well, and I'm also sick right now, so it's a little deeper than normal. There so you I go. think it's like that raspy, like resonating voice or whatever today so usually it's a little bit too much for for people on the other end we got two of those going back and forth (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) all right anyway so why don't we start with with a moment i read up a bit on your history in sports and i think a lot of people can really relate to a moment that you experienced where basically you were on top of the world and then all of a sudden you were broken and everything fell apart so let's start right there and then we can kind of keep going and building up to the awesome dude who you are today <laughs> yeah i uh my dream was to be a pro athlete and an olympian my whole childhood it was to be get paid to play sports and the most inspiring time of my life was always two weeks every four years which was watching the summer olympics for me yeah and so after college during college i had the opportunity to i was a two-sport all-american football and decathlon and i was like man I really am loving the decathlon. I just started doing it when I was about a senior in college. And I was like, I'm really loving this. I'm just like improving every day. But I don't want to wait four more years to have the opportunity to maybe go to the Olympics for Team USA. You know, it's like the hardest event to go in um, to the Olympics is decathlon in my mind. And I was just like, I have to really improve a lot and do a lot of different things. So I said, you know what? 
I can go in football right now. I was getting offers from like, I was getting looked at from NFL teams and arena teams and Canadian Football League, NFL Europe. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to go play pro football right now. And I went to train. I went to like the NFL combines at Ohio State and a couple of different places and trained for a couple months hardcore right after the season to see if I can get an opportunity. Yeah. Had, had some tryouts with some teams, but coming from a small school, small division three school, it was a challenge to really get noticed. Right. And I didn't, I didn't have the physical talent that I needed. I was good, but I wasn't good enough speed wise. So I ended up playing arena football for a season down in Alabama. I got picked up by a team and the second game of the season, I broke my wrist. I was diving. You know, I never played indoor football before. So there's, you're on a hockey rink, an AstroTurf, and there's walls, padded walls. And I was diving for an out route one time, and I dove right into the wall and snapped my wrist. And um, I knew I had broken it right away because I broke it in high school, the same wrist. And I just knew right away the feeling. So I was like, oh, crap. But I didn't want anyone else to know. So I kept playing the rest of the game. I just taped it up really quick, kept playing. It was excruciating. Yeah. And uh, had x-rays the next day. The doctor was like, here's the break. It's broken. And you have two options. You can get surgery right now or you can wait to the end of the season if you want to deal with the pain. And I was like, well, this is my second game of my rookie season. I want to finish the year. Yeah. So I'll play the next 14 games and then um, do it after then. It was, again, a challenge because it was just like every time I caught the ball, it was just like a sharp knife was like going through my wrist and every time I blocked I had to like block with my elbow and everything it was just like really difficult and challenging um, and then I had surgery after that season and I thought I was going to come back in maybe like six weeks and recover but they took, a, they took a bone out of my hip because for that four months my bone had crumbled in my wrist so they took a bone out of my hip put it into my wrist and it took six months to have a cast on without being able to like move my arm. So it was in this position for six months, like Jeez. a 90 degree angle up. I, I couldn't turn it this way and I couldn't straighten my arm. So for me as an athlete, I couldn't work out. And I had 20 staples in my hip from like them taking out the bone. Jeez. And uh, it, was, it was like, it was life changing because all I cared about, all I focused on was being a professional football player. There was no other option. There was no other life. There was nothing you know, I didn't go to school to learn. I went to school to play football and yeah. sports. So it was, uh, it was a game changer. I, I didn't have any money coming in. I didn't know what I was going to do next. I, luckily, I have a great family, and my sister allowed me to stay at her place. So I slept on her couch for about a year and a half while I was recovering. So it took another six months of just like straightening my arm until I could fully straighten it without pain. About a year and a half in total with, uh, with all that. So I thought I was going to come back and play again, but... The universe uh, had a different plan for me, and I, I couldn't. It wouldn't, you know, my body wouldn't allow me. Yeah. And uh, depression sat in. And uh, what really changed everything around for me was the, after I got my cast off, the Olympics came back on <laughs> in 2008. And so I was watching on my sister's couch the Olympics, and it really inspired me to, like, to keep going after the dream. Yeah. And I saw, I saw a sport at 3 a.m. one night called Team Handball that I'd never seen before. And I was just like, what is this sport? And how come I've never seen this? And yeah. how come it's like not available in the US? I became obsessed with learning about it. There wasn't a team in Ohio. And I said, when I make enough money, I'm gonna move to New York City, because that was like the best team in the country. So I'm gonna move to New York City, I'm gonna learn the sport, and I'm gonna make the national team and go to the Olympics. This was back in 2008. Yeah. And uh, I'm kind of rambling on the story now, but. Um, no, I'm digging it, keep going. 
So my business, I'll come back to the business because I'm sure you're going to ask that. But after I made enough money, I started to, I moved on my sister's couch. I got my own place uh, two and a half years later and I made enough money. I was making enough money in my company now. And I said, it's now or never. Like the Olympics are happening in next year or in two years. And so at end of like early 2010, I was like, I've got enough money. I'm going to move to New York City. I moved to New York City. I show up to practice the first night. I'm calling and contacting this team, the national champions of the U.S. amateur club. I'm calling and contacting them for months, trying to get a hold of someone. Like, hey, I want to come and like play and practice and like learn. Like, how does it happen? I'm new at this. No one would respond to me. So I said, screw it. I'm just going to show up to practice. So I moved there. I show up to practice because I had it on their website. And I show up and say, hey, guys, my name is Lewis Howes. I'm, I just moved from Ohio. And uh, I'm a former pro football player. And I'm here to learn team handball and, and make the Olympics and play for the USA national team. And they all laughed at me. <laughs> they laughed their asses off of me. And they're all former pro handball players from Europe. So I'm the only born American that was there. Wow. Everyone's from all, all over Europe and all over the world that have moved there after they're done playing and, and uh, are, are just living and, and working there in New York. And they laughed at me. They said, well, this is the last practice of the season. We just finished the national championships the week prior. We just won. And so we got the summer off or whatever it was. We've got three months off. So come back in three months and uh, we'll see you then. Like kind of just like right. expecting me not to show up. I show up the first day of practice again. I say, hey, guys, my name is Lewis Howes. I'm here to play in the Olympics and make the USA national team. Yeah. And I've never, played, I've never played before. And they laugh, they laugh, they laugh. But I showed up every practice dedicated to do whatever it took you know, used my hustle, my energy to like make up for what I didn't know about the sport. And uh, really, they started to respect me based on like my hustle mm -hmm. and based on like really playing hard and being like a good student and doing whatever it took. Within nine months, I made the USA national team. So and cool. uh, we, we didn't qualify for the Olympics, but my goal is to play for as long as I can until we do. Yeah. Ah, I love that story because uh, it, it touches on so many different things that so many people experience. I wrote one of one of the most popular blog posts I've written this year was about uh, when I got injured and how, how your whole identity can be wrapped up in who you thought you were. And, and as soon as that's gone, then all of a sudden you have to face the fact that maybe you're not, what is life without being an athlete, right? Like who exactly. are you? So can, can you walk us through, what were you going through when you were, you know, on your sister's couch broken not able to move and, and basically everything that you thought you were didn't exist anymore. Yeah, it was interesting because you're not a big ego then. And I was like on top of the world. I felt yeah. like I was, you know, playing in front of 20,000 people, making money, girls, whatever. And I was like, this is the dream. I'm living it. And I felt like a god because, you know, you put on the suit, the armor, and you're like going to battle every week. And you're just like, it just felt unstoppable. I felt like Superman. Yeah. And uh, you, a little bone in your wrist ends everything for you. You know, it's like, how's this happen? But um, I just remember feeling like I wasn't a man anymore. I remember mm. feeling like I'm sleeping on my sister's couch. I'm eating her food. I can't contribute to anything, the rent, nothing. I'm laying here on the couch. I can't even like clean or pick stuff up because my hip and my wrist, I couldn't really do anything. I felt so helpless. I just broke, you know, my girlfriend and I at the time had just like broken up and there was this huge drama about everything. And it was just like, man, I just don't know really what to do with my life. I have no clue. Yeah. And I remember feeling like 
this is like the bottom the bottom for me. Mm-hmm. Like my dream, my dream is over. My passion is over. I don't know how to make money. I didn't graduate college at the time because I left early to go pursue football. Yeah. And I didn't really have any skills. Like I didn't learn anything in school except for connecting with people. Mm-hmm. What, I really, what I really learned was like how to be a friend to everyone and make everyone feel like loved and warm and add value through relationships. Yeah. And I remember thinking like I, my family was like, okay, when are you going to get a job? And they were like, when are you going to like, all right, get, make some money and start doing something. And I was doing like, I was like a bouncer at a nightclub for like a few nights a week. And I was like driving a truck six hours a day for like a few months. And I was just really? like, yeah, I was like wow. driving from Columbus to Cincinnati and back Napa auto parts. I was driving car parts in a truck <laughs> six hours a day for three months. And I was about to shoot myself in the face. Yeah. And uh, I was just like, I cannot work for anyone. Like, this is not what I want to be doing. It doesn't excite me. I was like working in a pharmacy, like counting pills for like hours a day. I was just like, I'm going to kill myself. And um, I was just like, I cannot get a full-time job working for someone else to build their empire. I really want to like make my own money. My, you know, but I'd always relied on my dad for like financial support through like high school and college because I was like, this is my dream. I want to be a pro athlete. Yeah. So in the, summer, in the summers, he was like, you know, go to the speed training camps, go to the strength training thing, go to these summer camps that are going to help you become a better athlete. And I'll take care of like the expenses and just like train. It's yeah. so, like, I'll just, I'll just pay you to train. And so I never really learned how to be responsible in terms of like working to make my own money. Hmm. I was like the most disciplined athlete and very coachable and was consistent and committed. So I had those qualities. But when it came to working, I was just like, I had no clue how to make money. Zero Hmm. clue how to make money. And something really interesting happened. When I was in my senior in college, my dad who was like my biggest supporter, got in a a pretty bad car accident and had brain trauma and was in a coma for three months in New Zealand when he was on like a vacation with his fiance. And so ever since then, he came back and uh, we had to teach him how to walk and talk and read and write and things again. But he's never been the same. He's like a different personality Mm -hmm. and kind of, you know, needs a lot of support and a lot of help. So when that happened, it made me realize, oh crap, like I can't, live off my dad per se anymore or he'd always been like you can take over the company when i'm done mm-hmm. you know I'll, I'll pass you over my books you take my clients i'll teach you everything like it was kind of like okay i've got this backup plan now this backup plan was gone because my dad uh they ended up having to sell the company to his business partner so he could like survive the rest of his life and so i was like holy crap i really don't have a backup plan and i don't know what i'm going to do now yeah and so it really made me think like I need to step the F up and learn how to become a real leader and like become a man. And I was 24, sleeping on my sister's couch and I just had no clue what to do. And I remember being like really scared. Yeah. Really intimidated, really scared of just life. Yeah. You know, college was over. I didn't have this like push life anymore where I was like the big man on campus. I wasn't playing football anymore. I'm sleeping on my sister's couch with a golden lab on me every day and I can, ba- can barely walk and I can't work out anymore. It's like my identity was gone. Yeah. So I said, how can I make money and what am I going to do? Luckily, again, one of the things I really got is being a good student mm-hmm. and I learned really, really fast. 
And I had some great connections with uh, people that I really aspired to be like and admired their integrity, their business savvy. So I reached out to them, these older mentors of mine. And I was just like, I have no clue what to do. And I would reach out to them every single week to get their advice. And then they would give me different challenges. And I'd be like, I'm going to take action on everything. And one of my mentors suggested getting on LinkedIn. He was like, why don't you go to LinkedIn and check it out because there's a lot of business opportunities mm-hmm. there. There was like 15 million people on there at the time and now there's like 250 million people. That's so, I spent, so I spent six to eight hours a day for the, that year after he told me just going on LinkedIn because he was like, check it out. I think you'll get some values. So I was like, all right, I'll do whatever you tell me. And I became obsessed with learning about LinkedIn. And then fast forward, just a brief story, I, you know, I built a multiple seven-figure business within two years, leveraging LinkedIn and the context through there, the groups, the features, building an email list, driving traffic, creating products around social media. I did the whole thing using that. And it was a huge thing for me. Yeah. But I always, knew that I, I always knew that in order to be great and to be a great leader, that you have to be able to speak in front of an audience. Mm-hmm. If you're going to own a company, you've got to be able to speak at your boardroom. If you want to speak on stage, whatever it is, you've got to be able to present in a way that influences people to take action. And I was terrified of speaking in front of more than one person. Yeah. Like one-on-one, I was great. But in you know, three people, I'm freaked out. Because I was always worried about how I looked, how I was going to present, what I was going to say. I always thought like I was stupid than everyone sure. else. And um, so one of my mentors was like, you got to check out Toastmasters. So this is all when I'm like injured on my sister's couch. I had all the time in the world. So check out Toastmasters. If you want to become a great speaker, go through Toastmasters. Do you know what that is, Toastmasters? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, but okay. why don't you just explain to folks what that is because they might not have heard of it yeah. before. Toastmasters is an international organization. It's like 50 or 100 bucks a year or something ridiculous. It's very cheap. And it's basically groups. There's different clubs in major cities all over the world that meet up once um, a week or once every other week for an hour. Mm-hmm. And people practice speaking. And there's a whole format. There's a formula to everything. You go through different exercises to become a better presenter. And I went, and I remember I went around to five of the top uh, clubs in Columbus, Ohio, where I was living. And I, uh, it's all in one week, I went to all like the top ones that were recommended. And I was like, I got to go to the best one. If I want to become the best, I got to go to the best. Yeah. And so I remember finding one where these speakers just intimidated the crap out of me. They were so scary. <laughs> they were so talented. And I was like, again, I had this huge cast on from yeah. here to my, to my arm. I had a sort of cutoff shirt that I'm going into like all these Toastmasters, my arm up above my head. And I'm just like this young thug looking kid with like no just baggy jeans and this, this cutoff <laughs> t-shirt. And I go into this one, it's all guys in suits. One guy had been on like Oprah. Another guy's like a New York Times bestseller. It was like people are millionaires, like doing huge deals. Yeah. Presenting like masters, like Tony Robbins. I was just like, what the heck? This is amazing. Yeah. And it scared the crap out of me. I was like, this is where I'm going. So I practiced every, you know, I did 10 speeches in my first year. I completed like the first certification. I had to, I was so terrified that weeks before my speech, and again, this is a five minute speech that you practice. Weeks before my speech, I would type out word for word my speech and practice it over and over. And then the first few speeches, I got in front of the podium. It was shaking so much. I, I couldn't look up at anyone. Yeah. I, I couldn't look up at anyone. And I literally read word for word, just had my head down, looking down, reading word for word what was on my pages. And then I would just sit down right away afterwards. I was so terrified to speak. That's hilarious. And I did the same thing when I started speaking. Did you? Same exact thing. It was, 
But I did it though. You know, I felt the fear and I did it anyways. Yeah. And that's what's important. That's mm-hmm. a part of like the mental game is like you're gonna feel the fear, but you gotta recognize it and do it anyways. And um, little by little, by a tenth speech, you know, I got better and better. I progressed from everything typed out to um, to note cards behind the podium, to note cards in front of the podium, to one note card, to zero notes, mm-hmm. to like then just you know going off the cuff without any props, without anything to help me and getting like a standing ovation on my 10th speech nice. and really, really moving the audience to like, to tears almost mm-hmm. through my message. And that's when I realized, wow, if you can really learn how to master the art of speaking and um, storytelling, then you can change the world. You can make millions. You can, you know, convince someone to marry you. You can do whatever, you know, you can do anything you want whatever your goal is, you can become president, anything. And for me, that was like, okay, cool. One tool that I've got under my belt that I can continue to sharpen, but now I've got this tool. Yeah. And I had like this LinkedIn tool. Then I, had, I went started salsa dancing. I was like, I got this tool. I just started getting all these tools under my belt, left and right, left and right, left and right. And again, I didn't know how I was gonna like make money still. Yeah. But I was like learning these tools. I wrote a book and I was like, okay, done that. Check that off the list. I've got, I know how to do this. I know how to publish a book. I know how to do this. I'm going to do marketing. And it was just like collecting all these tools over time really gave me the opportunity and the flexibility to do whatever I want. I love, Louis, I I love that you're talking about this because I'm sure some people are out there listening being like, well, I thought this was about health and fitness or whatever. And there's, and I don't get to talk about this much, but really what it is, is this is, illustrative of what you can do once you kind of master your own body your own habits learning a new skill learning a new sport or whatever you can take that and apply it to life to apply yes. to, to speaking building a business what you find so much and and uh and one of the things that i love about doing this is it's not just the people who are emailing me or leaving comments about you know i, I lost 30 pounds and it was super easy and i'm eating delicious food but the people who said you know i lost 30 pounds i'm eating delicious food that was all you know a year ago since then I've quit my job that I was completely miserable. I've, I feel empowered. I've changed my life. And now I've built a business of my own. I'm, I'm living the dream. I'm following my passion. And it's all because I took that first step. Thank you so much for encouraging me to do that. And exactly. that's what a lot of people do when they change just this one simple thing, which could be learning a new sport, could be um, you know working these positive, uh, healthy eating habits into their lifestyle. Yes. It, it, it keeps... This extension goes for the rest of your life as long as you keep yes. following it. So how exactly. do you apply, Lewis? The it, it sounds like you learned discipline. You learned that it was important to be coachable. Uh, you yes. learned how to learn when you were playing sports. How do you apply yeah. that to the rest of your life? Um, I just feel like, you know, I received a great advantage over a lot of people who didn't compete at a high level in sports. Mm-hmm by understanding what it takes and what I think people miss out on and when they want to achieve any goal or any success in business, fitness, sports, life, whatever it may be, is that a lot of people don't have um, the willingness to sacrifice. Hmm. They, say they, they say they want to achieve this weight or they want to achieve this strength or this goal or make this amount of money. They're like, yeah, I want to make a million dollars this year. But they don't have the desire deep enough connected to the goal. Their passion isn't strong enough for them to do whatever it takes. And for me, as a child growing up, I had this drive and this fire and this passion because, to be honest, and get to get a little vulnerable here, 
I didn't know how to feel love for like the first, you know, 16, 17 years of my life. I felt mm -hmm. very unaccepted, very not included in anything in my family, friends. I didn't have any friends. My brother went to prison when I was eight years old for four years. So my, you know, the friends that I did have couldn't hang out with him anymore. I was like this goofy, ugly looking kid. And, uh, I was unathletic when I was really young. So I was just like always made fun of and I never felt like accepted. Mm -hmm. And that early on anger, resentment and ego really fueled my passion to say, you know what, I'm going to prove everyone wrong that has always said that I'm not good enough or that isn't my friend. I was like, I'm going to prove them wrong. And so I had this very negative approach to life and I'm going to do whatever it takes to be great to show you that I'm better than you. Yeah. And who are you to like tell me that I'm not like cool or good looking or whatever it is, smart. And I'm going to show you. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to get so strong and so athletic and so amazing that I'm just going to dominate everything that I do and show you how much better I am at, at life and everything than you. Yeah. And that served me to achieve results and get success. But what I really realized over the last year is that ego and resentment and anger always left me unfulfilled when I achieved the result. I remember yeah. getting All-American in the decathlon and my family was there and it was just like, it was my childhood dream to be an All-American. But I remember like standing up on the podium and getting my like award as an All-American and being like, this is amazing. But then 10 minutes later, I was like so depressed. Hmm. I was so depressed because it was just like, I was doing it to prove people wrong. Yeah. As opposed to from a place of like passion and like vision and, and like joy and love. And uh, when I've shifted over the last year of like letting go of all the resentments and anger, fear and ego that I've had my whole life, 30 years, once I started letting that go, it's like, man, when I achieve like the results I want now, it's like, it feels so rewarding. Yeah. It feels so amazing because I'm not coming from a place of like ego or mm -hmm. A painful place. That's that's so, so cool. I was I was just gonna say because I think that that really to take it back to uh, nutrition and fitness and goals like that. A, a lot of people have that same adversarial relationship with themselves. Yeah. They're like, yeah. I hate I hate this diet. I hate what I'm eating. I hate exercising all the time, or at least they resent it to some degree. It's it's all reaching for this goal and what you find what a lot of people don't know unless you know they've been listening to the show or, or had great results themselves <laughs> when you get to that goal a lot of times you're like uh I, I don't know what to do next you know you have the body that that you've always wanted you thought it would make you happy you you get there in fact it didn't make you happy at all and now yeah. <laughs> you're like what the heck do i do and you got to figure out why you did it in the first place. Because right. if you don't know the why, if you don't have a vision for your health, for your life, for your wellness, your relationships, your business, if you have no vision, you're always going to be unfulfilled. This is what I'm learning. This is what I've learned a lot in the last yeah. year. Um, and having a vision is the most important thing. Letting go of ego, of why you want to like get six packs abs or whatever, or whatever it may be. Sure. Letting go of your ego for it, as opposed to like, I want to be healthy for the rest of my life, and uh, here's why. Having like a solid reason, not an egotistical reason, mm -hmm. you'll be fulfilled. If it's like, I want to be a six-pack abs because I you know, just want to pick up chicks, it may not make sense, but if you're like, I want to live a healthy lifestyle so that I can find the woman of my dreams and like share love, mm -hmm. and again, I'm getting a little intimate and deep with you right now. No, this is little, good stuff. Probably we, a little different like than most, most guests, but 
if you come from like, I want to get shredded and ripped because I just want to live a healthy lifestyle and that's going to support me in showing that I'm a leader and that I'm committed to living healthy and living great in my life. And by being that way, that way of being is going to attract the woman that I want to be that way as well. Right. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Then you're coming from a different place of love and abundance and like commitment and connection as opposed to, I just want to bang a bunch of chicks and I'm going to look good on the beach and then you're never going to be fulfilled. You're right. going to be like this amazing body, but your, your soul and your heart is going to be coming from a, a negative place that you're just going to be like, okay, that's why I drink all the time still. That's why I'm like hooking up with girls and I'm not getting anywhere and I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not getting fulfilled. I'm, I'm finding the wrong girls who are like cheating on me or just like insecure or whatever. And that's what I found you know, recently is like everything has to come from a vision. Mm-hmm. And if you're just like, I'm going to do this because, then it's probably not going to be fulfilling. But if you're like, I'm so passionate about this because I love the way it feels. I love the way I inspire people. I love the way I create community around this. Then you're going to be like on a path and on a mission. And you're going to be able to do whatever it takes. You'll be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. Any pain, any stress, any like hours of work, getting up early, staying up late, any type of diet, like nothing will phase you. Because you have a vision and you'll be committed through that passion in the middle to get to the end of the vision. And uh, that's what the great leaders do, I believe, is they figure out their vision. They figure out their passion and they follow it with like 100% certainty. Nothing gets in the way. Now, that I totally agree. That sounds awesome. How the heck do you do that, though? For someone yeah. listening out there, like how do, you, how do you get a vision? How do you know when you have one? It, it sounds mean, a little squishy. It does sound a little squishy, right? And, uh, you know, it can evolve and, and change and be flexible. For me, I've really become clear. You know, my vision in high school is like, I want to be a, pro, you know, I want to be a D1 scholarship athlete. Mm-hmm. That was like my vision, you know, as far as I could think. It was like college. And then after college, it was like, I want to be a pro athlete. So it's not like, I want to change the world, you know, when I was 19. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, I couldn't think that far ahead. Sure. So I was just like, I want to go to the next stage is my vision. So I think it changes over time and it evolves. But for me, you got to first discover what your passion is. Mm-hmm. My vision right now is to inspire 100 million people to discover and follow their passion and live their ultimate lifestyle, their dreams. That's my vision. Now, the mechanism I'm not attached to. Mm-hmm. So I've got, a, I've got a podcast that reaches you know, tens and 20,000s of people every single week. I've got YouTube. I've got social media. I've got... I write for magazines. I've got books. So I've got different mechanisms to get it out there. And the, right. goal, is to be, the goal is to be on TV and be in front of a, huge, a bigger audience. I've got a, a podcast network where I'm leveraging other people. So it's like I've got the many mechanisms that I'm not attached to. It's the vision that I'm looking for right. to achieve 100 million lives, to follow their passion and achieve the life of their dreams. And it can be through teaching fitness. It can be through teaching business. It can be through teaching relationships. It doesn't matter. I'm not attached to it. I'm attached to the result of teaching people how to follow their passion. And for me, um, that vision has become clear in the last like six months. But before, mm-hmm. it was just like, oh, I want to make a million bucks. I want to make 10 million. I want to make 100 million. But I was like, why? I didn't right. know why. I was just like, I want to make money to get off my sister's couch. That was my vision. <laughs> That was the vision. I was like, yeah. I want to make five grand a month so I can feel like a man. Yeah. That was like my vision, right? So it evolves, it changes. And again, what I like to work people through is like, what is your passion first? If you don't know what your passion is, okay, 
What do you like to do every single day? What is something that you talk about that gets you so excited when you talk about it? Yeah. That's something you're passionate about. Figure out what all those passions are. Maybe you have 20, maybe you have two passions, maybe you have one. Figure out what it is you love to do that you would do every single day. And then you can build a vision around that. Yeah. You can, you can build a vision, you can build a business around your passion and you can build a vision around your passion. And that's where you start is discovering what it is you love. I hear that you're a bit of a biohacker. You want greatness in your body as well. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Let's shift gears. Yeah, my goal going in college football was to be about 245, 250, and be trans, transitioned from a receiver at like 215 to 220 to a tight end, wow. like a sp split out tight end. Because I knew that because I was 6'4", and I was like, okay, there's just like the position in the NFL that all these guys are like getting – really good at is they're around like 245, 255 and they're like fast and they can catch and they're like big receivers. Right. Um, slash split out tight ends. And I was like, that's what I need to do because I'm not fast enough to be like an outside receiver. I ran a four six forty, but it was like nice. It's not fast enough. It's like yeah. good. Right. You know, but it's you gotta be like four four. And so I couldn't do any college. But after this like surgery, I just like started gaining all this weight because I was just eating like I was playing football still. Yeah. But I wasn't working out for a year and a half. So I Jeez. got up to when I moved to New York City, I was training. I was like doing CrossFit a few days a week and I was training, but I was eating like milkshakes every day and just like nonstop at 2 a.m. This was New York City food, just yeah. like candy after every meal. I was like I'm a huge sugar guy. And that was like my only drug really was sugar. Mm-hmm. I never been high, never smoked, never drank, never been drunk in my wow. life. Because I was like, I'm dedicated to getting the result. Mm -hmm. Like I was willing to do whatever it took to sacrifice to get like the athletic goal. Sure. After that though, I was like, all right, sugar's my drug. I realized this because I got up to 252. And uh, I just remember like they started calling me Fluis because my face was like double the size, which was fat Lewis. Fluis. <laughs> my face was just like really chubby. Like I kind of hide it well with my gut, but it was like... My sh I remember the day when my underwear started folding over, like flipping over because my gut was like pushing it over. And Jeez. I was like, this is not okay with me. Like I'm a 34, now I'm like a 38 or something. And I was yeah. like, this is not okay with me. And the scale said like 252. And I was just like, I've got a problem. And I can't do this because I'm like fluid. People call me fluid. This is not cool. So I was like, all right, time to get extreme. And I'm going to do whatever it takes to like lose this weight fast. And I said, you know what? I think I just had a feeling with sugar because I was eating so much of it. And I was yeah. asking fitness experts about this. I was like, what does sugar and gluten do for you, you know, do to you? Yeah. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to change anything. I'm going to keep doing my crossfit workouts three days a week. So I was training pretty, you know, pretty steadily. But I'm just going to cut out all sugar except for I'll have some natural sugar. I'll have like a banana once every couple of days. And uh, like an apple once every couple of days or something. But I cut out all sugar besides like some, some natural fruit. And I was about 80% gluten-free. I had gluten a couple of times with some bread here and there. And in 30 days, it was really 20, 28 days or 29 days that I lost 28 pounds. Wow. Just, just cutting out sugar. So yeah. I got back down to 225 in 28 days. And I have a before and after shot. And it's pretty funny how like fat I was. And my gut was just hanging over. And then it was just like flat. That's crazy. And uh, you could see the difference in my face. Everything. Yeah. 28 days lost. All I did was cut out sugar. And I remember I was like, it was so hard for me the first week not to have sugar. Because mm -hmm. I was addicted. Yeah. And especially in New York City, just like getting sugar left and right. And like buying candy. It's all in the streets. 
And I remember I was like, I'm going to just try for a week. And a week went by. I was like, oh, wow, I'm getting amazing results. I lost like 10 pounds. I was like, all right, I'm going to go another, another week. But it was so challenging for me. And then it lasted a month. And I was like, I don't feel like I've broken the habit. So I went, actually went two months without sugar and about 80% gluten-free. And uh, yeah, I ended up losing like 30-something pounds in those total two months. But I kind of like tapered off around 225, 223, and uh, just stayed around there. And ever since then, I've been at that weight. Like I go down to like 220, 245, depending on when I'm training and what I'm training for. And uh, that was it. No sugar, no gluten. Wow. For a month. So that was, that was pounds, hard at first. Days. What about now? Yeah. I mean, I kind of have a balance now. I'll still eat sugar mm-hmm. and I'll still have like ice cream. I love gelato and milkshakes, but it's not like every day and every night. And yeah. After every meal, it's like after every three meals, you know, or something. So, right. And, uh, and I train a lot harder. I'm very specific. I do CrossFit probably about three, four days a week. And then I play pickup basketball for a few hours, a couple times a week, just running up out of the court. And then I do hill sprints and I'm doing different stuff when I'm training. And then I'll do like two, three day tournaments where I'm playing like five games of handball, where it's wow. like, it's intense. I mean, these yeah. are long games. You're sprinting nonstop for 60 minutes. So, yeah, for me, it's just a matter of like staying in shape and maintaining now mm-hmm. since I've like learned how to like manage my body and, and food and tank. And I've got it. I feel blessed and grateful because I have a, a full time chef who cooks me like all fresh food from the market every week and uh, pretty much paleo friendly. So nice. It's a. Uh, very blessed and grateful. Yeah. So a lot of people, they think that it's impossible, right? So they find themselves in that situation where their underwear is folding over and, you know, the, yeah. the, they're cursing the scale. Um, they don't think that that next step, the, the actual losing the weight is possible. What would you say to yourself if you were in that situation? You're just like, ah, what do I, what do, I do? Was it harder yeah. or easier than you thought it was going to be? You know, I love challenges. So for yeah. me, it's like... As an athlete, I'm like, once I set a goal, it's like I can, I'll be disciplined to do whatever it takes. Again, I had a vision. Yeah. It was like, I don't want to be fat. And this is not okay with me. And I don't feel good. I don't, it's not healthy. Like, it's not helping me compete. And so I had a vision. I was just like, I want to be this weight and I'll do whatever it takes. And it wasn't fun, but it became fun and it became healthy. And so the end result was worth it to not eat sugar yeah. for two months. And, um, so again, it's like, I just feel like you got to find the vision for yourself. Mm-hmm. You got to figure out why you want to do this. Like for me, it wasn't okay being fat. It wasn't okay. Like continuing to put the pounds on. It was not okay with me. I was like, this is not greatness. Yeah. Like if you, if you slip in one thing, you slip in everything. Right. You can't be great in business. I can't be making millions and then putting on 50, hundred pounds. That's not greatness. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted you to hit on that because I think you're the perfect guy. It's, it's uh, so many people kind of take that whole health thing. For granted, but I see them as very, very attached. The symbiotic relationship between success in life, greatness in life, and kind of mastering your own body. Whenever, because inevitably something pops up, right? Like you have a health issue, you need to keep your eye on that while you're kind of pursuing these other, you know, bigger goals. And I'm using air quotes right here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I've learned a lot about greatness over the years through just interviewing a lot of amazing individuals. Really people much smarter than me who have way more experience than me. And uh, I used to be like, yeah, if you're like a great at one thing, then that's greatness. That's how I used to feel like mm-hmm. I'm a great, I'm a great athlete. So I'm greatness. What I realized for me, it's really shifted. And my friend Don Yeager, who wrote a book called 16 characteristics of greatness. And his mentor was, um, 
Um, shoot, who's the famous UCLA coach who won like 11 national championships? Oh, jeez. Uh, slipping is my, my, it's slipping for me. It's not uh, Bill Wall. Who's the guy? Famous uh, basketball coach, UCLA coach. It's like, I'm slipping me right now. But anyways, he was his mentor for 11 years. Yeah. And um, he's written like seven New York Times bestsellers from like the top athletes in the world and just like really is a smart guy. And I was like, what, you know, what's greatness to you? Like, do you feel like Tiger Woods is a great, a great golfer? He's like, no, I don't think he's a great golfer. I was like, what? He's like the best in the world. He's like, no, he's not a great golfer. He's a good golfer. Yeah. But he doesn't define greatness to me because his life is messed up. Right. I was like, but isn't he a great golfer still? And I was like, no, because if you slip up on one thing, you slip up on everything. And I was like, really? I was like, this is so interesting to me. And so I really like took that on after I interviewed him. I was like, yeah, like there might be someone who makes, you know, a billion dollars, but they're a jerk to everyone in their life. Yeah. And they're just so mean. And like, is that a great person? No. And uh, in my mind, no. Right. And uh, it could be someone who's shredded like the fittest man in the world. But if he is broke and can't take of his own finances and is in debt and just has no clue how to make money and can't support himself um, and he's great at supporting other people and loves everyone, but he can't take care of his own wealth yeah. and finances, then it's not greatness. So what I've really learned is like I'm constantly working and looking inward on how I can achieve greatness in every area of my life personal relationships, intimate relationships, family, community, spirituality, my own health, mm-hmm. my, 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 uh, my business, um, my sports, like anything I'm taking on. It's like I want to be great at everything on all areas of my life. And uh, there's always something to be working on it and be looking at. And there's always – this one I think I've got to figure it out is when I don't have anything figured out. <laughs> that's how it works. And that's – and that's when I get to really dig deep, drop the ego away from me, and just let it go, come from a place of love and abundance in everything I do, and really stay tuned to the vision. And whenever I get off track in the vision is usually when something gets off track in my life. Yeah. And um, so I've really, again, a lot of this I've learned in the last year. It took me like 30 years to start like creating this awareness mm-hmm. about all these things and letting go of a lot of things that used to not serve me. So... That's I love it. That's that's yeah. so cool. So we're coming up on time, Lewis. But what's what's sure. one thing that people can do at home to be more great, to be greater than they are? It's a great question. I think the best thing you can do for yourself is figure out what your passion is, because everything stems from your passion and your dreams. If you're just working a job or doing something just to get by, then you're not going to be achieving greatness. You'll be doing something that doesn't serve you be doing something that doesn't fulfill you and you're never going to be putting your full energy and life into that because it's not something you want to be doing so i believe like as cheesy as it sounds as opposed to trying to save the world or heal the world it's not like to like start all these charities or nonprofits or like create wells like i support all these these things but my way of healing and saving the world is teaching people how to figure out their passion Because think about it. If everyone is doing what they love every single day, they're going to love the people around them. They're going to be positive. They're going to have this energy. They're going to feel great about themselves. And that's going to create a ripple effect Mm -hmm. for everyone around them. There's going to be less anger, less pain, less hate, less uncertainty, less unfulfillment. It's all about figuring out your passion and living it every single day. You love what you do. That's going to change the world. 
that is going to change the world. <laughs> I love like, that. But literally, it's like, you know, why are we here? It's like, is it just to be a buyer or is it to be like to leave a legacy? Yeah. And for me, it's like, I want to leave a legacy of service and serving other people. And that's through teaching people how to be passionate. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, Lewis, thank you so much for coming on. I, this yeah. is one of my favorite shows in recent memory. I'm sure a lot of people are loving it. Where can people find you uh, and what are you working on? Yeah, best place is my website, lewishouse.com uh, or the podcast, schoolofgreatness.com. And uh, I'm working on a lot of things. I just sold a company uh, a week ago. And nice. uh, I'm launching a lot of new projects and products, building my team and uh, – really just following my passion. So I'm following everything that I love every single day. And that's what inspires me to keep service and uh, building and creating great things. Awesome. Lewis, thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to have you on again. And uh, yeah, everyone out there, please, please check out Lewis's work. His podcast school of greatness is awesome. And, uh, and his other work is really, you know, it's more business lifestyle focused, but you can really apply many of these things, just plug them straight into your health yeah. and fitness goals as well. Exactly. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you, man. All right. Thanks so much. We'll have you on again soon. Cheers. Perfect. Thank you so much for listening to the Fat Burning Man Show. If you'd like free fat burning tips, muscle building goodies, as well as a free ebook and video course, head on over to fatburningman.com and enter your best email, and I'll shoot those right over to you. If you'd like to follow me on Facebook, I'm at facebook.com forward slash fatburningman. And on Twitter, my handle is fatburnman. Got some killer shows on the way, but in the meantime, be well, and I'll be talking to you guys soon. Cheers. Cheers.